0: From Charter Hall and Banish, this is Sustainability Further. I'm your host, Lottie DL. You're listening to Sustainability Further, a podcast by Charter Hall. One of Australia's leading property groups, Charter Hall is focused on creating innovative spaces and going further to build a better future for all. The National Australian Built Environment Rating System, commonly known as Neighbours, is the measurement of sustainability within the building sector. The system drives both environmental performance, cost savings and innovation. In this episode, we speak with Neighbours sector lead Sarah Rothborn about the rating scheme, Charter Hall's operations and on-site e-waste recycling. Thanks for joining us today, Sarah. Let's kick off today's conversation with our opening question, what does sustainability mean to you?
1: Well, thanks for having me, Lottie. Sustainability for me, broadly speaking, means ensuring that everything we do, all the actions we take, the materials we're purchasing and the decision-making we're making at work all uh works towards an outcome where we are still in existence in hundreds of thousands of years and so is the whole of nature and no more extinctions and things like that so it's natural uh not anthropogenic changes in the future
0: yeah definitely so almost leaving the earth in a better place than we found it
1: hopefully yes but in a practical sense uh And from a property owner's perspective, it would be just making sure that the daily operating energy usage is from renewable resources uh, and water is managed efficiently. uh, And also, the waste operations is something that's considered highly, and we do care about the supply chain of where it goes. So, hopefully end at a upcycled outcome or at least recycled outcome, not in landfill.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think it is about avoiding whatever we can do to avoid anything from ending up in landfill. So, for those people who probably haven't even heard of Neighbours before, could you explain a little bit about what Neighbours is and kind of the impact that you guys have had to date? Yeah,
1: for sure. So Neighbours has been around for over 20 years. We uh, were born out of more of an energy efficiency rating scheme, um, which is, as I was saying before, mandated in the office sector. Uh, we do try to uh, firstly create something useful for the sector and the market. So we're not just a, a, a system that allows you to just compare your energy performance year on year. We're really trying to do an apples for apples comparison. So if you're a really large office building in Cairns, you can be fairly compared to a small office building in Tasmania and the same for shopping centres and hotels. So we look at the correlating energy inputs that are relevant to that sector and we use that information, we get energy consumption, we get real meter data uh, and then we put it into our algorithm and then it a non technical, easy zero to six star outcome comes to the customer so they can quickly see how they perform from zero to six stars across a whole sector uh, nationwide. So it's trying to do something quite technical, and it is <laughs> to uh, be able to then communicate quite simply to non, sometimes non interested um, send, like, well, office users, shopping center users, but then also like for people that do understand sustainability, they can also understand the metrics behind it. Okay. Well, we do have some of the key industry achievements over the past few decades that Neighbours has done is been able to demonstrate a billion dollars in energy bills saved by our users since we began, nearly 7 million tonnes of CO2 emissions saved, which is enough to power nearly 93,000 homes for a year, and a broad section of the office sector, so nearly an 80% participation in the office sector, which is quite a significant achievement.
0: Gosh, year that is amazing and congratulations to all of the work that you guys are doing. That is amazing, $1 billion. Wow, it's hard to even imagine. So if anybody listening today is curious to discover what the Neighbours rating of their building is, how could they find out more?
1: Well, Neighbours has a website, uh, neighbors.gov.au, and we are federally... Uh, run program but we're born out of the New South Wales government so you can find us on any government uh, website as well.
0: Okay and excuse my ignorance is every single building neighbours rated or certified?
1: We are mandated in the office sector And have been. We've been around for over 20 years, and in the office sector, we've been mandated for over 10 years. And we've been able to really demonstrate what gets measured gets managed. So, in that over 10-year period in the office sector, in particular, we've been able to show a nearly 40% reduction in, sorry, 40% savings in energy uh, costs uh, across the whole sector on average uh, over the 10-year plus period.
0: So this is a bit of a funny one, but Neighbours is all about kind of a rating scheme and a system, and you've spoken about energy efficiency. But I want to know from a waste perspective, is there a way that kind of each building gets graded or is that, is that a thing? Do you get an A plus or do you get a D minus if you're not doing a very good job? How does it work?
1: Yes. So, look, it's still the zero to six star outcome, but our waste tool is very different to the other tools because obviously the waste sector is at a very different phase. It's kind of, I'd call it at like quite an infantile stage. You know, there's not a consistency of reporting across the sector. Most property companies do report on waste differently. So, what our tool tries to do, it tries to, one, make sure there's a data quality standard uh, and a data integrity. uh, And so, buildings that actually are having two sources of data. They're actually having actual weights per per material stream calculated at site. They actually get a little bit of a bump up more than other buildings that are just using their waste contractors conversion rates because that usually can be quite arbitrary not always um, very accurate. We also ask... um, that the assessors for the Neighbours Waste Rating go to site, they do contamination audits of that yellow bin in particular, because that yellow bin sometimes does have a lot of contamination. So even though it looks like that yellow bin would be going to a material recovery facility, potentially um, if it's so contaminated, it just ends up in landfill. So you don't want that whole truck to get rejected from, our, from that building's um, contamination. So really trying to understand contamination rates is really important and we strive to do that in the rating. And the third main thing is the material recovery score. So we're trying to move towards a circular economy outcome of knowing where each material stream ends up and being a bit more responsible for it post just leaving the site. So for every material stream, we ask the waste contractors to declare the next facility that it's ending up at and and if they can declare how much of it is actually going to that facility over that whole rating period. And then in the future, we really hope that to, to ramp up a lot more um, about, you know, what the recovery rates of those facilities. And then in the future, hopefully we can potentially start to see um, more circular economy informing decision making off hopefully our tool.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So, it's almost like track. you're tracking everything. You're weighing it when it kind of goes into the bin at the properties, but then also checking on how what good quality it is and how much contamination it is and where it ends up I love that I'm all about data and it's just amazing to hear about this tool that's tracking all of it
1: yeah that's what we're trying to do and also just inform the market there's definitely some property companies that are leading the way and definitely know how to do it but we're also trying to help others that maybe are on their first steps they haven't really got much sustainability in their waste contract at all uh, requirements so trying to ramp that up as well. So it's really just trying to in some way educate what a consistency across the market could look like with um certain components that we ask for for the rating. And then also that consistency of reporting. So it is easy again to compare like what we're saying with energy, apples for apples, to be able to compare a big site like 171Collins with a whole other site in another state that maybe has less material streams but can still also attain six stars. So really trying to just get that fair comparison as well across different sites, different operations.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it comes down to as well, the tenant as well, putting the right thing in the right bin, because you might think that you're just one person out of thousands of people. But it, as you say, you're tracking every wrong coffee cup that ends <laughs> up in that bin. <laughs>
1: Yes, that has definitely always been my take-home message with, you know, that one plastic bottle, if you let that go into the red bin, that just leachates emissions for the next 500 years in landfill as opposed to getting it in that yellow bin and going to hopefully material recovery facility with a, with a higher out.
0: So, one of Charter Hall's properties, 171 Collins Street, actually just recently achieved a six-star neighbours waste rating for the second year. So, the top of the um, ranking From you guys this building has around a 74 percent recycling rate and is proudly the nation's most waste efficient building but this recycling rate doesn't just include place paper and plastic bottles can you please tell us a little bit more about the additional facilities that are available
1: yeah definitely so uh on average, a 4.5-star Neighbours Waste Building is about five waste streams that they report on, whereas, yeah, as you said, one one column is up to 11 waste streams, which is fantastic. And some of the things they're collecting is coffee cups, it's paper towels, diverting them, um, organics, which is a really important one because organics is quite heavy. So if you can get it out of landfill, you, you can get a higher recycling rate with it. Printer cartridges, secure paper,
0: 11 different streams is definitely a lot more than I have got at home and I think organics waste is a huge one as you mentioned because at home it accounts for 40% of our household bins but it's something that we don't really think about. For me when I think about office waste I do just think about printing out too much paper but you're right it's going into that next level and kind of Thinking about the next level of recycling, you could say we recently discussed in an episode with um, Charter Hall's waste partner, Foresight, that the recycling industry is about valuing trash as a commodity. E-waste is one of the fastest growing streams, which you've just mentioned, but it's also a very valuable waste stream. So, Can you explain a little bit about why it is so valuable and what actually happens to our e-waste when it gets recycled?
1: Yeah, e-waste is a really interesting sector because it's one of the ones growing significantly year on year. I think the latest statistics is that Australians purchased um, last year alone was four million laptop and computer related items. So it's a lot. That's nearly, you know, one in five, one in six people. So. The reason why e-waste is really important is it has some very useful uh, materials that actually could be easily recycled. Like the, the circuit boards are able to be recycled. There's cables that can also, and um, which have copper in it, which is again, a useful um, commodity. There's plastics in it and there's steel castings, but there's also some quite toxic chemicals. So the best way uh, that I always try to educate with e-waste is you really wanna make sure you choose a supplier that in Australia and locally from where they're picking up from you, they're actually manually dismantling all the components and they on-sell the individual components. So if you're just using an e-waste provider that's just on-selling the whole product overseas, then you kind of lose that control in the supply chain and it can end up in landfills and there's been some poor reputation happening to some big companies when they see that some of these products with um, labels of big company names are in landfills in Nigeria and things like that. So to really make sure that you're using the right um, provider, uh, for example, Charter Hall does use MRI, which does have all the right end of life certifications. And I actually have been to their um, Local site around Sydney to see that they how they they manually um, dismantle the different components and yeah on selling each component is the, the best thing you kind of really want to look out for especially if you are procuring um, or an e waste supplier in some of your own operations you just want to be asking some of those questions.
0: Yeah, and I think it's difficult. Like a lot of the trending themes that we have in these podcast episodes in terms of kind of slow fashion and recycling is asking questions and it's but it's often difficult to know what to even ask it's like for me I wouldn't have even kind of thought about asking if it's dismantled first before it's sent away I would have just kind of go oh well do you recycle onshore or offshore and that would have been it so it's a really interesting point that you raise there to kind of yeah break it down and then Mm. see where it ends up.
1: Yeah, definitely. And also when e-waste does end up in landfill, particularly um, materials like batteries, batteries are toxic and there's some e-waste items that still have lead in them. And if lead is ending up in a landfill, it can leachate into the local water systems and um, really – cause damage to the local ecosystems in the area so we really want to make sure e-waste is one of the main materials not ending up in landfill because it really has a lot of useful resources that can be um, recycled
0: no definitely yeah e-waste and batteries are something that yeah we need to keep out of landfill for sure so for our listeners how can they get involved with e-waste recycling i think you just mentioned that charter hall uses mri how, how would one recycle yeah. their e-waste?
1: Well, if you are in an office building, it's a thing that you should be able to ask uh, your FM or on-site uh, manager if they do have that service available and then also asking maybe, you know, who they're using. Uh, Also, most local councils do have e-waste collections sporadically throughout the years, particularly in uh, city areas. So, again, making sure you utilise the council collections. And also most council chambers would have, especially mobile muster, bins. Aldi has battery recycling bins at every Aldi store. uh, And there are certain places that you can just go and drop in your um, e-waste collections. But it's mostly from a council and where you work perspective that you should be able to, to find a solution.
0: You know, definitely. We had Spiro from Mobile Muster on for the last episode of Sustainability Further talking all about recycling mobile phones and how they just make it so easy. You literally just send back your mobile phone to them. No questions asked and just move on with it all. No, I think it's, yeah, it's really interesting that I think looking at the different waste streams and I've got a question for you. You mentioned that Charter Hall at 171 Collins Street also recycles coffee cups. What does that involve? Because recycling coffee cups, they're generally speaking not able to be recycled. The lid can be, but the cup itself isn't. So how are they being recycled at 171 Collins Street?
1: Yeah, so the lid most of the time still is able to go through a commingled service or mixed recycling service bin but the bottom uh yeah as you said there's a there's a bit of a gelatinous uh peel in the inside of the cup which means it's not paper it's kind of a mixed um product which can't be put into a paper or recycling bin so there's a company called simply cups that are out there that do do offer this service uh, and they collect the coffee cups and they mulch or pulp it down into a simple kind of you know uh, paper pulp style uh Output, and that product is then used in different kind uh, contracts that they can procure. So the last one that I heard from them was that some of them were being used for the KFC uh, car park bumpers uh, as a filler. So it's it's not a high grade outcome. Uh, obviously, it'd be better to use keep cups, but if when there are when there is no other option, and some people just are never going to always use the keep cups, so then that is a useful service.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think just to reiterate there, if you do have a coffee cup, the lid itself can be recycled, but the base can only be recycled if there is a service available like Simply Cups at 171 Collins Street.
1: Exactly.
0: So thanks so much for coming on today, Sarah. It was great to find out more about our friendly neighbours and to hear about all of the amazing work that you've done. I'm sure that everybody will be thinking twice before they're putting something in the right bin or the wrong bin and also kind of it's good to find out a bit more even about the behind the scenes of where our trash goes. Thanks for having me, Lottie. Thanks, Charter Hall. This conversation is part of Charter Hall and Banish's podcast series, Sustainability Further. This series has been designed to inspire Australians to be more environmentally responsible and to take climate action. Sustainability Further is produced by Banish. Charter Hall's purpose is to create better futures by bringing aspirations to life.